Chris, the one thing I've noticed, uh, having covered teams in Washington for a while, is that there's always a lot of Cowboys fans that just kind of find their way to trickle in here. I'm in a battle with a, a Cowboys fan clearly right now that's defending Mike McCarthy. Now, I cannot stand lazy arguments from people, okay? When somebody gives you a regular season record for a coach and then says they're not making the throws, doing the blocking, or making the tackles, I'm done with you. I'm done. It's the laziest argument in the world. And that's what I'm dealing with right now. So I'm done. I've said my last thing because all I had to say was he, he's also lining Zeke up at center and he's also losing track of how much time is on the clock and things like that. But I'm done. Uh, thankfully, and I want to give you credit for this, just like I give Scott credit for this as well. Scott is the nicest Eagles fan that I've ever met, Philadelphia fan in general. You are the most logical and, quite frankly, like, I'd almost lean jaded Cowboys fan there is. But you think about this stuff and you don't, like you don't drink the Kool-Aid. You're honest about it. And I appreciate that because a lot of your fan base is a bunch of morons. Yeah, they make me sick. I'm not going to lie <laughs> to you. Ashley. I can't stand them. I, I sometimes wonder how I got so lucky to be in a group. I was watching Billions the other day, and the guy says to Bobby Axelrod, He's one of his program, uh, one of his portfolio managers, and he says about the deer. He goes, "I just looked at these deer, and I thought, how could someone so dumb and so lazy be occupying the same space as me? Do you understand that? Do you feel where I'm coming from, Bobby?" And he looks at him and he goes, "More than you could even know." And that's how I feel about <laughs> Cowboys fans. If you could pick any coach right now to replace Mike McCarthy, who would it be? Ben Johnson. Yeah. It yeah. feels like he's the guy kind of across the board. You know what I mean? Because everybody wants an offensive-minded coach at this point in the NFL. Yeah, you see what the Cowboys do. What they also need is discipline. Because if you look at how the Cowboys lose games, not just the last play of the game where Mike McCarthy draws something up that's absolutely insane, but like throughout the course of the game where you're like, okay, I can pick out that as a meaningful play that – really turned things from us maybe winning that game to us losing that game, holding penalties. Cowboys are one of the worst offenders in the NFL at that. Uh, illegal motion, false starts, offsides, mismanaging timeouts. That's coaching, but that's also instilling discipline in your players or, or the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And they just never figure that out. I don't know why. It, it really bothers me. And it affects games. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. When you're one of the most penalized teams in the NFL, that not only is it when you talk about like a, you know a discipline or being able to just pay attention, it's, right? It's paying attention to the details. the The most successful franchises pay attention to the little details, and those things matter. It's not just big picture. It's not just going out there. Yeah, you can put up a ton of points, but you're also going to blow games if you turn the ball over, if you go out there and have a bunch of false starts, or you've got touchdowns called back because of a false start or because of some other dumb penalty name, the penalty doesn't really matter. And that type of stuff trickles in. And then it just kind of stays where if you don't nip it in the bud as a, as a coach and make it a priority to fix that players are going to sit and go, eh, coach doesn't care. It's not that big of a deal. It's fine. It's just, you know, it's one penalty. And that's the type of stuff that snowballs. And that doesn't just happen in like, right. It doesn't just happen with the Cowboys. It's any team. It's any sport. Quite frankly, it's any business in America. If you don't pay attention to the little details, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, Dallas, 31st 
in team penalties per game. Only team worse was the New York Jets. Yep, and what's that say? Jets, we know the season they had, so <laughs> it kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah, I'm still, again, I, I can't believe Mike McCarthy's staying, but Jerry Jones says he's keeping him around, so here we are. Shocked. I thought that was finally going to be the nail in the coffin for him, but I guess it's not. Unless, again, the conspiracy theorist in me says maybe they had some conversations behind the scenes and they just knew whoever they wanted it wasn't going to work out. Like, Because I feel like Ben Johnson wouldn't work for Jerry Jones. Like, he wants a big splash. He wants a big name, even though I think that's a good choice for any team. You're kind of looking and thinking Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh would make sense in Dallas, but they all want control. They all want to sit there and be able to have a say with the roster. And can you imagine, I'll be honest with you, this, this would be hard knocks. I know you can't have it with a new head coach. Bill Belichick coaching the Cowboys and having to deal with Jerry Jones. Oh my God, Tristan, injected into my veins. The Cowboys on hard knocks with that. I said that to PJ. I said, that's all I want is a mid-season Bill Belichick, Dallas Cowboys team. Uh, not not training camp, none of that nonsense. I want to see how Bill Belichick is coaching mid-season. And this this fan, uh, Bass 2 Boss, uh, talking about this Jane Slater word from Jerry Jones about how close we are mm -hmm. to achieving our ultimate goal, is so, so right that the Cowboys are a $9 billion team and they just keep doing whatever they want, lying to our face, telling us to keep attending these games, keep buying merchandise, yep. keep yep. buying season tickets, all of that. Travel to Dallas to watch and support your team. All of that to yes. know this is going to be a team that wins 10, 11, 12 games and flames out early in the playoffs to a team we probably shouldn't lose to. And that's that's some of the biggest like organizational arrogance that's out there, right? And this happened in Washington with Dan Snyder until he was gone. Was it's the franchise is still worth a ton of money. And you know this, right? Owning an NFL team is idiot-proof. You're going to make money. You're going to print money. It doesn't matter. You can fail at every other business you've ever owned. If you somehow made money, like Dan Snyder, all of his businesses failed except for Snyder Communications. But he was able to buy this team. They were worth a ton of money. The fan base kept showing up for the longest time. But then they finally started to lose value, and they started to drop. And that's when things really started to change, among obviously other things going on. But like, if these teams are still winning in the regular season, you're still making a ton of money. A lot of these owners, Jerry Jones can say what he wants, but like, the actions don't match what you're saying. You may want to win a Super Bowl, but this doesn't show that you want to win a Super Bowl, keeping somebody like Mike McCarthy around. And you're right. It, it's, a, it's a level of arrogance, and I think every Cowboys fan should be frustrated because you should be looking at this going, man, anybody that's ever bought any ticket, right? You're spending your hard-earned money, and you're going to these games when you know in the end, at the very, very top, they're willing to accept what happens in the playoffs every single year. I'd be furious if I'm a Cowboys fan right now. Yeah, especially if the Eagles were to fire Nick Sirianni after going to the Super Bowl last year. That just shows that they're not mm -hmm. happy or content with prior success. We haven't even had prior success. I haven't seen a Super Bowl since I was like in, in elementary school. So I don't know what it's got to take the worst, the worst loss in 80 years. And that's not enough to say, Hey, maybe it's time for us to look at some of these other really good coaches that are out there on the market, very widely coveted coaches. I don't get it. Ashu. I just don't get it. Got Jim Harbaugh interviewing with a bunch of different teams already. And uh, yeah, I thought Come this on. would be the year where teams that maybe were wishy-washy on firing their coach 
would decide to do it just because of the other choices that are going to be out there. So again, you're probably having these conversations behind closed doors. So the question is, the people you want, do they also want to be there? Is the relationship actually going to happen? So there may be some other things where guys are like, I don't want to go to Dallas right now. That's not going to work for me. So, all right, we're heading to the divisional round this weekend. So we got eight quarterbacks left in the actual playoffs, and they've all had varying levels of success throughout the years. Some are old, some are young, some of just experiencing the playoffs for the first time right now. So let's do a quarterback draft. I'm going to start with you. Ladies first, Trista. Chivalry is not dead. We are going to start with you. Out of the eight quarterbacks, uh, C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who would be your number one pick if it was a fantasy draft for just this weekend? Their matchup, what we've seen so far, the number one pick for you, what would be the quarterback that you'd want the most? That's a great question. Just this weekend. Yep, we'll look at it as just, just this weekend. Jared Goff. Okay. All right. I'm surprised you went with golf first, but against Tampa, Indoor. that defense is, uh, yeah. Yep. Indoors, and it's against Tampa secondary. We saw what Devontae Smith was able to do. I think they're going to be able to have a lot more success than the Eagles had at running the ball, getting other guys like Sam Laporta involved. I think the reason I didn't choose, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Lamar Jackson, which would have been, or even C.J. Stroud for that matter, is just because of the weather. And I have no idea how that's going to influence things. And I can't mm -hmm. make that pick and go back. What I know for sure is, is the weather is going to be perfect with Jared Goff inside of a dome at the crib. Yeah, and that's we know how much, just like your Cowboys, up until that game against Green Bay. like they, the, the Cowboys and the Lions were two teams we look at and it's like, they love playing indoors. They love playing at home, and they play well. So Jared Goff, it's a great matchup there. If Jared Goff is off the board for me, then I will go Lamar Jackson up against that Texans defense. Now, I'm a little bit concerned, a little bit concerned, with the fact that they've had two weeks off. I I lean more towards rest over rust for teams, but just barely, right? Like, if it's a young quarterback with not a lot of experience, like a Brock Purdy in the playoffs or a C.J. Stroud, if they had two weeks off, essentially— I'd be really concerned. Lamar Jackson at least has a lot of regular season, but or regular season experience. But we do know the narrative that's there in the playoffs. The difference for me now is that you've got the weapons at wide receiver that you didn't have before. You've got a little extra motivation and also comfort at the same time, right? The narrative is there for Lamar, but then also at the same time, he's gotten paid. So like the last two years he's been hurt, probably could have been out there and played, didn't get that to happen. But it just – Lamar feels different to me this year. There's an extra level of, like, locked in that we're seeing from him that just didn't seem like it was there before. He's no longer, like, this wide-eyed young kid that's getting his first experience in the playoffs. It just feels like there's a confidence that wasn't there before. He's improved so much as a quarterback. So I'm going to take Lamar Jackson then with the second pick here because I think that matchup against the Texans in that defense, he's got an opportunity to do things with his legs and with his arm. I like that. Coming up second for me, this is also going to be shocking, uh, is going to be purely about the home field advantage and the passing defense, which is absolutely gettable with or without Jair Alexander. So what do we see for Dak Prescott? Put up over 400 yards, three touchdowns uh, against the Packers. So I'm going to go with Brock Purdy at number two. 
I think he's got a good matchup against that defense. They're going to be able to get busy in the middle of the field. They're tight ends. We know George Kittle does his thing. We know Christian McCaffrey in the middle of the field. Debo, I think he's going to be able to go uh, absolutely berserk, kind of like he did against the Seahawks on December 10th for 368 yards. It's music to my ears. You know I love Brock Purdy, and I want to see him succeed. And I think you're right. It's another really good spot for him right there. Uh, it's it's certainly riskier with these younger guys, right? Like a C.J. Stroud or even a Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy does have some level of experience in the playoffs, but then, of course, his last playoff game didn't have an arm that worked, so I like, couldn't really tell. But, yeah, he just he fits well within the system. And having all those weapons around him, it makes, it makes total sense. So if Brock Purdy's off the board then here as well, I'm going to have to go Josh Allen here at this point. Now, the Chiefs' defense has really been their strength this year, so I recognize that. But Josh Allen also has a couple of things on his side. One, it's the motivation. Man, he's so tired of losing to the Chiefs. And if there was ever a point where the Chiefs could be, or where the Bills could be in a spot to knock off the Chiefs in the playoffs, it's Patrick Mahomes on the road for the first time, that weak offense that they have. And on top of that, Josh Allen can use that athleticism and the way he played last week, running the football, not turning the ball over and throwing a bunch of interceptions, four total touchdowns. Everything is there right now, I think, for a Chiefs team that's down, a Bills team that's been inconsistent but playing good football given their standards with all the injuries at this point. Josh Allen's going to have to do a lot himself. We talked earlier about the injury report, right? There could still be some things that are going to matter for the Bills in terms of who's in and who's out as we get closer and closer to the actual kickoff. I'll take Josh Allen at this point, even against that Chiefs defense, just because he's playing really, really good football. And listen, in fantasy too, if you're looking at it like that, Throw a couple of picks. Okay, touchdowns matter more. So give me the touchdowns that we got. Well, and you're right because Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL at rushing touchdowns. So that's mm -hmm. going to be something in the bad weather that he's going to have to continue to implement. So I like Josh Allen. Since Josh Allen's off the board, I'm going to have to go Patrick Mahomes. We know with all those defensive injuries for the Bills, no pass rush really. The middle of the field is going to be open. I think that's going to be a great opportunity for Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey to get busy. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes in the playoff is going to use his legs too. So give me Patrick Mahomes. Uh, with the third, with my third pick. You want to talk about numbers too in terms of props for Josh Allen right now. 45 and a half rushing yards. Only Lamar Jackson's higher at 53 and a half. I mean, that's, we're going to continue to see that number go up if he's going to run the ball for 52 yards and a touchdown. But like, that's, you get that. It's like Lamar Jackson, we always knew that. But Josh Allen also is somebody that's just everything for that offense. You can just go out there and may make some mistakes with his arm, right? Effort Stefan's down there somewhere. We've seen that time and time again during the regular season. But he also makes up for his mistakes by doing just spectacular things. Any given play with somebody like a Josh Allen, he can go out there, he can run the football, he can make a big throw. Patrick Mahomes, maybe not as much on the ground, but he's obviously going to be somebody that can do that, you know, with his arm without question. All right, our last four picks, top quarterbacks, quarterback draft, divisional round NFL coming up. It's BetMGM tonight. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You know, sometimes the hook is your friend and sometimes it's your enemy, Krista. I took over 17 and a half PRA for Isaiah Stewart. He finished with 12 points, four rebounds, and two assists. That adds up to uh. 18. Ding, ding, ding by the hook. Isaiah Stewart over 17 and a half 
points, rebounds, and assists in only 25 minutes. Pistons, of course, lost. They always lose, but they only lost by seven to the Timberwolves tonight. Team with the best record in the Western Conference. Pistons only losing by seven. I consider that a win for them. Well done, Detroit Pistons. I tried to take uh, uh, Jalen Duran over 13 and a half, and then the line moved on me as the game started to 16 and a half. And I said, F it. Why not? Let's do a little Jalen Duran plus 110, <laughs> 16 and a half. And he finished with 16. So that's where the hook gets you. Oh, and the hook was on the other side for you. We've all been there. There's nobody that hasn't experienced the joy and the sadness that the hook will bring to you. Meanwhile, the Lakers up 93-77 right now on the Mavs. I mean, I know the Lakers are a team that's uh, kind of looking to make some changes, but look pretty damn good tonight. You got Luke out there. He's got 30 points. Kyrie's only got nine, three of 11, 0 of three from three. Not a bad night. This Maybe this new lineup is what they need. Maybe this will help them. I don't know. It feels like it's temporary. <laughs> I don't see this being some type of real change. But what do I know? I'm just watching from the sidelines. <laughs> Anthony Davis, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's got 24 points. So, you know, LeBron only 18, 26 minutes. They're getting his minutes down just a little bit. He'll probably sit in this game. Might be good to take a live under on his points because uh, if they're going to be up this big, you want to cut into LeBron's minutes. Figure minute 54 to go in the third. He's already on the bench, gets out there for the fourth. Huh, might be worth looking at it. All right, so Tristan and I doing a draft. All the quarterbacks that are left in the NFL playoffs. Number one pick for Trista, Jared Goff. Number two pick, that was me, Lamar Jackson. Trista then took Brock Purdy, and I took Josh Allen. So the number five pick then went to Trista with Patrick Mahomes. And then I sit here, right? I'm next up, yeah, number six. Yes. Yeah, the sixth pick, that goes to me. I had to lose track. I'm glad Scott put this in here. I'm like, wait a second, because we're talking about Mahomes, and I'm like, wait, but I didn't draft Mahomes because I took Josh Allen. You took Mahomes. Okay, cool. So we're down to the last few, and this is where I don't want to say scraps because clearly they're great quarterbacks. But there's a quarterback on the board that I cannot pass up at this point, and that's going to be even with the matchup. It's got to be C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is somebody that has just not only overachieved but exceeded expectations and just shown a level of of maturity and and calm and focus in you know really a, a situation from the beginning of the year on. How many times have we talked about C.J. Stroud dealing with a collapsed pocket and just looking strong in there and just looking like a veteran and he's a leader. And I, I'm, I'm a real big believer in how a quarterback presents themselves post-game. Wins, loss, doesn't matter at the podium. C.J. Stroud is always about credit to teammates. It's my fault if we lose. And may not really be the case, but he understands what to do because that's how you win over the locker room. And it's very clear that C.J. Stroud has won over that locker room. Now, I'm tempted, though I haven't bet it, like I said before, Texans plus nine and a half, Lamar Jackson against the spread when he's a touchdown favorite or more over the last three years, one and nine, not good. But it's tough when you start looking over the last couple of seasons, teams get better, they change. Like, those are trends where, like, those are kind of when we go, trends, right? Like, that's, it's, it's, it's iffy, but it is still Lamar Jackson, and he's still the starting quarterback in those games, so it matters some. But to me, it's really just about, the Texans playing with house money. The Ravens' defense is really good, but, I mean, my God, look at what just happened against Cleveland. Look at what C.J. Stroud was able to do against the best defense in the NFL. So that's what makes me more confident in the Texans and their offense specifically is they already went against a juggernaut of a defense in Cleveland. You're right. And now you're, you're going to see the same thing against the Ravens. So I think there's an opportunity here for C.J. Stroud to go over those passing yards. It's only 240 and a half. It's a pretty low number. 
And it's interesting. So over one and a half passing touchdowns all the way to plus 155. So that's a big number. If you're really confident in him, you get some solid plus money for two touchdown passes for C.J. Stroud. The Ravens defense is one of the best in the NFL, but so is Cleveland. So I'm going to take C.J. Stroud with the sixth pick. Yeah, C.J. Stroud is, is, is very much a spicy pick. He could actually have 350 mm. yards, and I would not be shocked against a Ravens team that's a little bit rusty. So I don't know, though, why I didn't think of this before, Ashu, and why this player is just sitting there, and maybe it's because he's a little dinged up. But, sir, but, sir, I got to take Baker Mayfield. Why do Ooh, I take Baker, Baker Mayfield? Yeah, wow, why do I do it? Not the last pick? Okay. Not the, not the last pick. Why? You look at Matthew Stafford back in, in Detroit, in that dome, what he was able to do. And I know Matthew Stafford's not the same as Baker Mayfield, but 367 passing yards, two TDs. Then you look into it a little bit more, Ashu. Detroit, 30th in the NFL in opponent passing yards per game at 254.4. The last three, actually, though, they're averaging 346.3 passing yards allowed. And then the other part of the fantasy scheme, which is passing touchdowns per game. And let's be honest, Baker probably isn't rushing for a touchdown, but he might, but he might. So Detroit, 27th in opponent passing touchdowns per game at 1.7. The matchup. You just have to feel good about no elements. Baker Mayfield is my final pick. And you don't want to talk about a guy that's gotten the locker room behind him. Baker Mayfield's another great example of that, like C.J. Stroud, right? Like, he came in there, and it's just, like, you never hear about teammates not liking Baker Mayfield. It may be what he does on the field can be ugly at times, especially when he at the end of his time in Cleveland, and it's just like, Stop playing hurt. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting your image and you're like you're losing money because of this. But he always finds a way to go in and just get everybody on his side. And listen, if you want to talk about a team that's got nothing to lose, the Bucs have absolutely nothing to lose. And the interesting thing about them too, right? You got to think they've got a decent amount of players from either the Tom Brady era Bucks or even going back to the Super Bowl winning Bucks at the very beginning. So you've got some playoff experience there. You add that to Baker Mayfield, who's just going to, plays with an insane level of confidence out there, there, there is a chance, obviously, for him to have, clearly, a, a really good game for someone that is kind of earning himself, I think, the job in Tampa, at least short term. I think this is somebody that comes back next year if you're Tampa. You keep him around for another season. That leaves me with Jordan Love at number eight, the guy that from week 10 to the end of the regular season was second in QBR in the NFL, second in the NFL during the regular season in touchdown passes, only behind Dak Prescott. I mean, the turnaround from Jordan Love from the beginning of the year to the point where you literally have your GM saying, yeah, these last few games, last stretch of regular season, that's really going to determine a lot. There was a point in this year where we're talking about Jordan Love maybe being done with the Packers after this season. And that was when Ryan was at his lowest point. He was very sad, and I totally get it. And now Jordan loved to go into Dallas and do what he was able to do after finishing the regular season with just, I mean, looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's hard. And, and in fact, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't take him earlier in this because I've become a Jordan Love fan. I'm going to be honest with you. Watching what he's able to do, I mean, against Dallas, 272, 16, completing 76% of his passes with those three touchdowns. He threw for 316 against Chicago, completed 84% of his passes, 
completed 72 against Minnesota before that, just 60 against Carolina, but 74 against Tampa. Like, he's not just throwing the football well. He's throwing it accurately. He's making plays, and he looks so confident. And right now, that's, like, really in the end, right? It, if you're going to win games in the NFL, you have to have great quarterback play. Sometimes it's just in the moment. Sometimes it's long-term, right? We've seen quarterbacks like Trent Dill for a long time ago, different league, I get it, but, right, they always talked about game manager. Play great football at that moment. Right now, we're seeing Jordan Love. I don't know if this carries over over the next five years. Maybe there's some regression. But right now, Jordan Love is playing about as well as any quarterback is in the NFL. And he's somebody that could at least march in to Santa Clara, play those 49ers, and dare I say it, though I'm not going to bet it, upset San Francisco after what he was just able to do in Dallas. Yeah, and San Francisco, if, they, if you can keep Jordan Love upright, then you can pass on their secondary. And that's just, the outside is wide open for you. If you want to get the ball to say a Romeo Dobbs or Dontavian Wicks, and I know these are not household names, but they're very, very good athletic receivers. You know, you got two tight ends as well that I think that they'll be able to get the ball to them. As long as Jordan Love and his, that pocket holds up, I think he, he could. I don't know that he necessarily will, but it wouldn't shock me if he was able to throw the ball a little bit. I, I'll tell you what, it's, we've gotten to the point now, and I think we all fall into this category a little bit, right? Where we, it's, we expect everything to be instant, and we expect quarterbacks to just come out there right away and be a star. Now, C.J. Stroud's not helping the situation at all, right, given the way that he's played. Now, we'll say this. If Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, gets a head coaching job this offseason, he may not look the same next year. Offensive coordinator, ask Jalen Hurts, really, really matters. But Jordan Love, in the position that he's been in, it has been an up-and-down season for him, right? But the end of the year showed that he finally settled in and got comfortable in the offense with this team, developing chemistry with his wide receivers. I understand that people like to say, well, you know, he's been there for years. How can you say that he, you know, he's basically like a rookie out there? Yeah, He's been a part of the team, but how often was Jordan Love before this year working with the ones in practice? Very little. That was all Aaron Rodgers. So you can have, and I'm a big believer in if a quarterback needs some time to develop, don't start him right away. I don't want to rush quarterbacks out there. Bryce Young does not look ready. doesn't help with the confidence. These are young kids. You need to put them in a position to succeed. But Jordan Love finally got a full season out there working with the ones, developing his time with the offense. And now we're seeing the actual results of all the work that's put in. It's not just about practice. It's not just about being on the roster and being a part of the team and studying film. And you got to actually be out there on top of that. And he was put in a position to succeed. The Packers handled this the same way with Aaron Rodgers. They've done it now with Jordan Love. I'm going to tell you what, though, T. I'm going to be damn pissed off if Jordan Love turns out to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. If they go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love becomes a Hall of Famer, I'm going to be so mad because every other team struggles to find one quarterback and the Packers could have three when it's all said and done. Yeah, and you're right about that this is really Jordan Love's first year. Remember last year, or was it two years ago, and it was the whole Aaron Rodgers isn't vac vaccinated thing? I think it was two years ago. And yeah, so he yeah. gets thr thrust into, into a starting job. And this is how little the Packers organization thought about him is that he was put in Kansas city in the last, his family was put in the last row uh, of the arena, the last row. 
So they weren't thinking about him as like a legitimate star player. Otherwise, they wouldn't have treated his family like that. Family. Family. I completely forgot about that. That was the very top row of the stadium. I mean, that was the ultimate just disrespect. But, you know, I guess if you're on the road, you can't expect a team to sit there and go out of their way for you. So the uh, thing to keep in mind in that game, too, Jair Alexander. I mean, I know he played last week, but shoulder and ankle injury did not practice today. A.J. Dillon also didn't practice. Those are a couple of big names to keep an eye on for Green Bay. Jair Alexander is going to play a massive role, obviously, and A.J. Dillon, you're going to need somebody. Somebody that's actually played better as the season has gone on with that two-headed monster in the backfield. I mean, Aaron Jones is the the number one back for Green Bay, but they're going to need all that they can have against San Francisco and just that that potent offense. I think Green Bay can really keep up with them, though. Like, Green Bay, is sometimes it's not about, like, just comparing what you have on paper, right, or, you know, how right. much talent one team has versus the other. Sometimes it's just how a team is playing in that moment, and Green Bay has elevated their offense to a level that's pretty damn close to where San Francisco is. Yeah, this offense has looked awesome. If you look at what Jordan Love has done from a touchdown to interception perspective over the last yeah. eight to 10 games, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it wouldn't shock me if this thing was a very up and down game. And that's exactly what I think fans want to see. Look at Jordan Love's game log right now. So if we start with that game again, so the last game he threw multiple interceptions was against Pittsburgh on November 12th. They lost 23-19, all right? The next game was against the Chargers. They won. He has thrown one interception, one. That was against the Giants on December 11th. Jordan Love has thrown one interception since that two-interception game on November 12th. And he is just— Two months. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And that was really the big thing, right? It was the turnovers at the beginning of the year. You look at the first half. I mean, he went through a stretch where New Orleans, he threw a pick. The next week against Detroit in October 20, October 28th, he threw two against Detroit. And then three against Vegas. And then another against Denver. And then another against Minnesota. And that was around the time we're going, uh-oh. I don't think this thing's going to work. And then it just, sometimes it just clicks, right? Sometimes for a player, it just takes that one moment. Stuff starts to come together and everything clicks. And it really feels like something has clicked with him. Great. I mean, honestly, too, like seeing both of those, that matchup at quarterback between Brock Purdy and then Jordan Love, two guys that were thrust into situations that weren't ideal, right? Jordan Love just want to play football. Dude gets traded up for and drafted by the Packers as the successor to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers hates him at the time, and it's a whole big thing. Brock Purdy was never expected to even see the field for the 49ers. Last pick of the draft, third string quarterback, and then all of a sudden, you got the guy out there taking the 49ers back to the playoffs again. So, really good matchups. This is why I love this weekend. I love it even more than the first weekend of March Madness. I know, March Madness is what it is. But, God, divisional round Trista of the NFL playoffs is absolutely one of the best that we could possibly have as a sports fan across the board. I just, fingers crossed for good games, and I think everybody wants their bets. All right, we'll wrap it up next. It's BetMGM Tonight.